with miracles, signs, and wonders, which shall confirm that his word is true, which shall confirm that Jesus really is the Lord, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another broadcast right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to go into a part number three of the series entitled Tune Up. We're going to talk about true worshipers. Are you a true worshiper? Well, we're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more. Now, don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And it is there that you can hear the entire series. Or you could subscribe to our podcast or Roku TV. Just check it out today. Just look for Kingdom Rock. All right, without any further ado, here comes part three of the series entitled Tune Up right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, well, let's go into part number three. Excited. Let's go into part number three of the series entitled Tune Up, Tune Up. The Lord is tuning up the church, getting us, getting us ready. And uh, I have some prophetic words to give you today. Again, this is part number three of the series. So I want to welcome all of you that are here. And we want, we want to also welcome our online community. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. How y'all doing? Welcome, online community. Welcome. Wherever you are all around the world, we celebrate you, and you're not watching or listening by accident or coincidence. The Lord has chosen you to hear this word, which will impact your life in positive ways. And let me tell you now, uh, the grace of God is already on you, and uh, things are getting better, better, better for you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, as we're doing this series, let's go ahead and go with our confessions. Uh, There are nine confessions that we're going to continue to confess uh, throughout the series. And so let's go ahead and go with them again today. You ready, guys? Let's say it. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm getting better, better every day in every way. I'm getting better. My body is healed. I'm free from death. I am blessed beyond measure. Good things are happening to me and for me. I am always safe and secure. I am happy, healthy, and whole. I am leading others to Christ, and I am fulfilling my divine destiny. I am filled with all the fullness of God, and his love circulates in and through my life daily. I am at peace and at rest in my Father's love. Hallelujah. You sound wonderful as usual. Praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so what we want to do is to continue to go back into this series, and I wanted to show you some things. We, we started there in the book of Acts uh, last time. We want to go right back there to uh, today. We're going to read Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 through 47, and we're going to continue on today, taking a snapshot, a look again at the early church. And it says here in Acts, the second chapter, verse 42 through 47, out of the uh, NIV, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now, again, let me just remind you of some things. It is a purpose of the church to represent Christ. And we can even say it this way. It is a purpose of the church to represent Christ. To represent Christ. So we are called to make, as a church, we are called not to make members, but to make disciples. And disciples are those simply who have decided to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus, and become like Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the goal of the church. If we do not make those, or if we do not train people to become like Christ, to live like Christ, to learn from Christ, then what in the world are we doing? So I want to encourage you. Remember, we know this church is not a fashion show. Although you look beautiful, you look handsome in all your, all your nice digs, praise God. But we're here to learn to be overcomers. Hallelujah. Learn to be like him. Learn to follow him. Learn to become like our Lord. Amen? All right. So, and the thing that God wants to give you is influence. He wants you to have influence. Influence over your generation. Influence in your home. Influence in your community. And when you have influence, uh, then God can use you to help shape the behaviors and shape the culture that's around you. People of influence uh, change society. People of influence change society. We spoke a little bit about that in uh, this past conference. Uh, think about those who are influential in our society today. Uh, we know about Martin Luther King, very influential in society, helped to change the thinking of the entire country, right? People of influence, people of influence, but you can also think about it uh, in negative ways. There are some rock stars, you know, uh, somebody started the thing with the pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Somebody started that, somebody of influence, somebody said, hey, that's cool. And somebody saw that and then you saw other people began to dress the exact same way. People of influence in the, uh, we ought to be people of influence in the music world, entertainment world, uh, of course, in the church world, everywhere we are in the medical field, in law enforcement, we are to be influencers in the classroom. When people look at you, they ought to say, wow, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. I want to live like you do. Tell me, how are you so different? These are people of influence. And God wants us to be influencers. It's not so much about making a big building or building a big organization uh, because you can have big numbers but have very little influence. Or you can have a very small number and have great influence. So influence changes the way uh, we behave uh, as a society. People can look up to you. Parents influence their children. 
You ever seen someone, um, maybe an older kid, that younger kids look up to, and that older kid begins to, he's walking one way, and you turn around, and the little kids are walking the exact same way. Influence, influence, influence. So God wants to bestow upon you a greater influence, a great influence. And your influence, the influence that he gives you, will help help change the society and those that are around you. So you need influence. Say with me, Lord, give me influence. Greater influence. And that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. There are several example, examples in Scripture. And of course, our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, influencer. Hallelujah. And still influencing lives today. The apostles, influencers. Moses, influencer. All the Scripture, you'll find that God, the ones that God used to change or shape a society or a culture or the thinking were influencers. All right? And to be an influencer, you must be that. You must become the change that you want to see. You must become the change that you want to see. Hallelujah. And you find that others will take the, will, will follow as well. Now, let me give you this prophetic word. As I was in my study praying, uh, praying for you, praying for our online community, um, around maybe three or four o'clock in the morning, I heard these words. So I quickly uh, pinned them down. And I want you to hear what I believe the Lord spoke to me, and I want to share these with you today. Very briefly, it says, this is what the Lord uh, said to me. Don't think that this is the end. I'm revealing the past to you. I'm revealing the the past uh, that you may understand the present where you are. Let me read that again. Don't think that this is the end. I'm revealing the past that you may understand the present where you are. Understanding the past plus having a good understanding of the present will equal a giant leap forward. For if the foundations are not secure, who can build on it? The end time church is greater than the church of beginnings. We do not look back to go back, but to inspire us to look forward into the greater that is and that shall be. I'm preparing you for what is to come. That's the word of the Lord. Now, also I want you to know, I think we need to celebrate that. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe that you spoke in these words. And thank you for preparing the church for all those that have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit saith to the church. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, before the return of the Lord, there will be a great end-time awakening of his church. The Holy Spirit will move among the body of Christ with signs and wonders following. It will not just be a move of word, but be a movement of word and power, word and demonstration. Let me say that again. Before the return of the Lord, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the Lord will awaken his church. And even right now, he is purging his church. Even right now, he is cleaning his church. Even right now, he is making things ready for his glory to be revealed in the body of Christ. And there shall be a great movement of his Holy Spirit in the body of Christ with miracles, 
signs and wonders which shall confirm that his word is true, which shall confirm that Jesus really is the Lord, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You will see this take place. You will see this take place before the return of the Lord. You will see the great move, a great move of the Holy Spirit of God. And as the Holy Spirit moves among his church, among the church of Jesus with signs and wonders and miracles and prophetic movements before you see that, or rather as you see that, souls will be saved, set free, healed and delivered, and there should be a great end time revival and a great end time harvest. Hallelujah. And what Jesus is doing is preparing his church for what is and what is to come. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So be ready, church. So be ready, church. I tell you, be ready. Now, we've been talking about for the last few weeks, the Lord asked the question, how are you plowing? If you've not heard parts uh, one or two, I advise you to go back and hear it so that you'll get the full, uh, the full extent of this. How are you plowing? And, and we said that the word plow was, uh, was, was an acronym, I believe. Uh, and the word, the letter P is for prayer. How are you praying? How are you praying? Check up on the way you are praying. The L is love. How are you loving? How are you fellowshipping one with another? Are you praying one for another? And I have encouraged you in this series to pray one for another. To pray one for another. Hallelujah. I pray that you are praying one for another, that you are calling your brothers and sisters' names out before the Lord. Hallelujah. Now listen, we're not just doing this to be doing this. I'm telling you that there is something very supernatural that occurs when you call someone's name out before the Lord. When you acknowledge them before God. When you say, Father, I lift up before you Gwen Tanner. Father, I lift up before you Mary. Father, I bring them before you today. There is something miraculous that occurs in the spirit when a name is involved. I pray that you're hearing what's happening today. I pray that you're hearing. I pray that you're hearing. Because there is power in a name. There is power in a name. There is identification in a name. And when you speak the name, even as you speak the name of Jesus, everything that Jesus is comes on the scene. When you speak their name in the presence of God, everything that they are comes before the Father. And you bring witness before the Father. And when you call each other's names before the Lord, your family, your children, your loved ones, when you call them before the Lord, they're brought before the Lord. They're brought into the presence of God. And whatever satanic or demonic attacks are happening in their lives are brought as a witness before God. And the power of God begins to overshadow that life. You don't know what's happening when you call someone by name. When you call their name out before God, you invite the presence of the Holy Spirit on their behalf. You begin to intercede and become a bridge. You become a bridge for them, for their breakthrough and their deliverance. But understand this, once you become a bridge for someone else, understand the enemy will make sure He'll make sure this, understand this. There's a certain warfare that comes along as you're interceding for someone, as you're calling their name out before the Lord, as you're interceding for them and becoming a bridge. Understand this, every bridge gets walked on. 
every bridge gets walked on. So understand something, you enter into warfare when you call their names out before the Lord. But understand, God has already made you an overcomer. We don't run from the devil, we don't run from a fight. We stand up and we stand in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, standing and doing what he has commanded. God already has a victory in store for you. And to the victors belongs a spoil. Hallelujah. So I pray that none of you will be resistant to hearing the voice of the Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Are you hearing? Amen. There is victory when you call someone's name out before the Lord. You are interceding for them. You're becoming a bridge for their breakthrough. So let those that have an ear hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Are you hearing and so the Lord says again, how are you praying? How are you praying? How are you praying? How are you loving one another? How are you loving? How are you loving one another? How are you fellowshiping one with another? Uh, how are you receiving his word? The, the, oratory, the oral gifts, the, uh, the O is for the word, the oral gifts. How are you receiving his word? And we talked a little bit about that on last week. And the last one, the W, how are you worshiping? How are you worshiping? And we'll get into that today. How are you worshiping? These four areas, these four areas will help you to have a good, firm foundation. Understanding these four areas and operating in them will help you to have a firm foundation. But they're not the end. They're simply uh, a way to steady up your foundation so that a building can be built. Are you with me? You're sitting on a chair right now with four legs. That's a foundation. You're driving a car with four tires. That's a foundation. So these are four areas that as you take them seriously and be not a forgetful hearer, but do what the word says, you will find tremendous victory. Are you hearing me? So on last time, again, we, we, we just go here briefly. We talked about the word. In 2 Timothy, the, the second chapter, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We moved over there to James, the first chapter, James 1, verse 21 through 25. And it says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word uh, God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in the word of God. So again, don't fool yourselves. 
It's great to come to church. It's great to hear a sermon. It's great to hear the word. Hallelujah. But you not your God is, is that's not the God's desire that you just hear it. You have to hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Jesus warned about that. We talked about that, right? He talked about a wise man and a foolish man. The wise man heard the word of God and did it. And the foolish man also heard the word of God, but he did not do it. And when the storms came, and, and my brothers and sisters, please understand that now even our nation is in the storm. And there are many that are going without. Many that haven't received the paycheck. Many that are clinging and uh, clinging to a job that doesn't pay them. Have to go to work to a job that doesn't pay them. Many right now are hopeless and many are threatening suicide. Even at this moment, we're in a storm. But let me tell you, those who have heard the word of God and have put that word in practice after the storm is over, they will continue to stand. God is faithful. He is faithful to his word. Please hear me, saints of God. He is faithful to his word. But if you are a hearer only, if you are exposed to the word only, and if you do not do what it says after the storm is over, it will, the storm will crush you. You'll lose what you have. Are you hearing? That's a foolish hearer, one who hears the word and does not do it. Don't dismiss what you're hearing, but hear the word with the intent to do Hear the word with the intent to teach it to others. Remember, you're all ministers. You're all pastors in your own right or regard because someone is following you. Someone hears what you are saying. You're leading somebody. So you must arm yourself with the word so that you may lead them. You must arm yourself with the word so that you may do it yourself. Hallelujah. Be armed with the word. Be a doer of the word. Hallelujah. So when you come to church, let me give you this bit of, a bit of advice. When you come to church and you're listening to do, it's, a, it's such a good idea also to take notes, to write down some things that really catch your attention. Now, the purpose of your taking notes or your note taking is not to reproduce everything that is said. You're going to find it difficult to do that. It's not to produce a, a second copy of my notes. He said this, I'm gonna write all that down. He said this, I'm gonna write all that down. No, no, no. It's like you're in a rainstorm and rain is coming down and you have a glass of water. You're not gonna catch every single raindrop in that glass of water. But you can catch those that were designated for you. And there are some words that are going across the pulpit now that are designated for you. And even as the words, even as this voice is being heard, the Holy Spirit is riding upon this atmosphere and he will speak to you directly. He's talking to you even now, telling you things even as this word is going forth. Because you're in an atmosphere and in this atmosphere, God will reveal things to you right where you are. Even right now, if you're listening, you will hear the voice of God. And as you're hearing his voice, make note of what he says. Make note of what he says. Stand out in the rain with your cup and make note of what he says. Make note of what he says. Make note of what he says. And every time you leave this place, you ought to have a glass full of water. 
You ought to have a glass full of water. Hallelujah. You ought to have a glass full of water of things that God has said to you. This is what God said to me today. This is what God said to me today. And I receive that. And then you take that water and you drink that water. Hallelujah. You get that word into you. You get it into you. Hallelujah. And then you go before God again. And the more you, more you capture the word and you drink the word, get it in you. The more you capture and drink, the more you capture and drink the bigger your container will become. The bigger your container will become. Before you had a glass, now God will give you a bucket. Then from a bucket, he'll give you a barrel. And your capacity to contain his word will grow, will grow, will grow. And you'll send out getting more word. And you'll send out getting more word. And you're capturing what he is saying to you. This is what you ought to do. Hallelujah. But to sit in a room or to sit at home or drive down the road and hear only without the intent to do. It's like someone who goes out in the rainstorm with an umbrella. Oh, it's raining, but you rarely get wet. It's raining, but you rarely get wet because you have no intent to capture. Do you have an intent today? Are you attending today to capture God's word, to capture what he is saying to you. What is God saying to you? Say with me, what is God saying to me? I'm telling you, he's speaking even right now. He's speaking even right now in this room and also in our online community. He's speaking even right now. I pray you hear the voice of the spirit. And so the last thing of our founda four foundations is worship. I need you to pay very close attention to this. Is worship. How are you worshiping the Lord? In today's modern church, when we think about worship, we think about our hands raised up. Oh, here's the music. And uh, we, we worship. Uh, our hands are raised up. So, so we say we think that this is worship and this is all to it. Listening to praise and worship music. But that's not all there is to it. What is worship? We're going to define what worship is. And then you have to ask yourself the question, have I been doing this? Remember we, talk, we, we, we spoke about the man who, who, the, the man who was uh, at his table in the restaurant, remember, who had ordered a steak, but they gave him bologna? And the man and the waiter looked at him, and, and the, the man that received the bologna had a puzzled look on his face and said, that's not what I asked. I didn't ask for this. What are you giving God? Are you giving him what he asked for? Or are you giving him something else? Let's look at worship for our time here today. The first thing we want to know about worship, we're going we're gonna to look at worship, first of all, in the lens or with the lens of what's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. The law of first mention says that if you can find where the word was first mentioned, it will usually carry the same definition or meaning throughout the entire scripture. So where was worship first mentioned in the Bible? I'm so glad that you asked. Let's go to Genesis, the 22nd chapter, Genesis 22. And this is when uh, Abraham takes Isaac up 
to the mount to sacrifice him. Let's go ahead and read Genesis 22, verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. And it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, or with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So the first instance of the word worship is when Abraham has this mindset or mentality of basically, basically this, I'm gonna give my most, treasured, my most treasured possession, the most treasured and possession in my life, I'm gonna give this to God. The first thing we see about worship is that worship gives all. True worship gives all. Are you giving all? True worship gives all and holds nothing back. True worship is also obedience. Yes. Obedience. Yes. True worship is more than just, ooh, hallelujah, yes, beautiful song. Oh, beautiful song. But listen, you can't truly do that until you truly do this. Yes. Are you hearing? Because the more you obey God and the more you give yourself to God, the higher your hands will raise. The more sincere your tears, the more deep your worship, the more deep your praise, the more meaningful it is. Hallelujah. And so we see the first thing here about worship is that worship denotes obedience. It denotes giving of all. Giving of all. Are you hearing Let's look at the last instance of worship in the Bible. The last reference of the word worship in the Bible. And of course, you know it, it occurs in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Let's look at Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9. Are you ready? And it says, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen... I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Hmm. Let's go a little bit further. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Are you hearing? The last instance of the word worship in the Holy Bible has to do with falling down prostrate in honor and in reverence. And you will actually find that the word worship, the word worship means to show homage. It means to show respect. It means to bow down before someone to show honor, homage, or respect, to bow down. And really, in biblical culture as it is today, hear me, in biblical culture as it is today, to bow down or to truly worship means to bow down with your forehead touching the ground. 
to be prostrate before the Lord, to bow down with your forehead touching the ground. What is the significance of that? Well, the head or the temple, the forehead is the crown of the body. It's where the authority rests, always in the head. And when you lower your authority to the ground, you are saying to the one before, the one that you are worshiping or bowing to, you are saying that you are more excellent. You are more honorable. You are greater than I. You are greater. You are the greater one. You are the superior one. You notice in many uh, cultures today, they, as they go in, especially in the um, uh, Chinese culture or what have you, they will bow. They'll bow to others. What are they saying? I'm lowering my authority. I'm lowering my authority, submitting to your authority. I declare that you are greater than I. And the further your head goes to the ground, that tells them the more you honor them and the more you submit it. The more you're honoring them, the more you're, you're cherishing them, the more you're saying you are greater than I. So in some cultures, if people bow slightly, they're saying I'm giving you some honor. The lower they go, they're saying I give you greater honor. The lower your posture, greater honor. So we'll find this connotation here. You'll find this throughout all the scripture where you are giving reverence, honor, paying homage to God, saying, Lord, you are greater. Not just with the song, not just with your speech, but also with your life, your life. Anybody can say it. Anybody can sing it. But can you live it? Can you live it? Are you hearing? Your life is to be a worship before the Lord. And when your life is a worship before the Lord in obedience and in thanksgiving and in giving all to him, then songs have a greater meaning. Hallelujah. Your words have a greater meaning. Your life has a greater meaning in true worship before him. That's why it's a good, good, good idea that many times when you pray, go low before the Lord. Go low. Go low as you can go. Go low. Are you hearing? You say, well, I, I, can't, I can't really do that right now physically. But listen, it's not just about your physical posture. It's about your life. It's about your life. There are people who can touch the back of their head to the back of their heel. God bless him. There are people that can wrap themselves up in a little ball and, 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 or they can put themselves in a suitcase and mail themselves to somewhere else. God bless them all. I can't do that. I know I can do all things, but some things I don't want to do. It's not just about the posture of your body or the position of your body. It's about the position of your heart. It's about the position of your heart. How you're honoring and reverencing him. So I say to you, in your walk with Christ, are you giving him steak? Or are you giving him bologna? What is the posture of your life? Let's look at this in the New Testament. As the Lord Jesus brings the same subject of worship. And let's see if it keeps the same meaning here. In John, this, John the fourth chapter. John the fourth chapter. Three verses here. This is the case of the of the, um, of, the, of the Samaritan woman at the well. Samaritan woman. Many of you are familiar with her. 
And this is the conversation, a part of the conversation that they are having. And so the Lord says here in verse number 22, John 4, verse 22, it says, Ye worship, you know not what. He says again, Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Are you hearing? The Lord says, and this is very prophetic, I pray you hear this. He says, you don't know what you are worshiping. You don't know what you're worshiping. We know what we are worshiping. We know who we are worshiping. For salvation is of the Jews, they said. The Samaritans, as with many other cultures, they had many gods. Their, Their worship was not with truth. But their worship was, but their worship uh, was in ignorance. He said, "You don't know what you're worshiping. We know what we are worshiping because our worship is in truth. Hear me, our worship is in truth. We know who we are worshiping. Your worship is ignorant." He's telling them. He's telling her, "Your worship is ignorant. Ignorant. You don't know what you're worshiping. You're worshiping through what you think is right." You're bowing down. You declaring what is Lord over your life. You declaring who is great over your life because of the way you think or because of what you see or because of what you've heard or because of what you've been feeling. So you're calling these things greater. And many people are worshiping falsely because they're calling money greater. I'll bow down before money. Money will supply my needs. I'll bow down before my job, my boss. That will supply my needs. You are worshiping in the flesh and not in the spirit. Your worship is fleshly. Your worship is fleshly. You're honoring what you, can, what you think is right, or what you feel is right, or what you see is right, or what maybe you hear is right. You don't know what you're worshiping. You're not worshiping the one true God. You're worshiping what you can experience. He says your worship is ignorant. You don't know what you're worshiping. But we know what we're worshiping. He says because salvation's of the Jews. And he says, the father seeks such to worship him. Those that will worship him in spirit, also interpreted, those who will worship him in the spirit and in the truth. That means that the spirit of God, that means the father himself wants the Holy Spirit to lead you into worship. Your worship, your bowing down before him, your reverence of him is to be spirit-led. The Holy Spirit is leading you in your reverence, leading you in the way you honor God. The Holy Spirit is leading you. And don't you understand, the more the Spirit leads you into the truth, the more you want to worship him. The more you discover what Jesus has done for you, how he has washed you with his blood, the more you see how God has been protecting you and keeping 
keeping you safe and been providing for you, the more you see what God has done for you and your family, it makes you want to bow down and worship and honor him and all that you do. Your worship is to be spirit-led. And the Father says, I'm looking for people that will allow my spirit to breathe on them, to lead them into worship. And as they're in worship, they will discover the truth. Hallelujah. And it is the truth that they know that will make them free. Hallelujah. God says, I'm looking for people like that who will not be drawn away by what they think, by what they see, or by what they hear, or by what they feel, but they will be moved by my spirit, giving whole life worship and whole life service to the Father. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Are you hearing? He said, I'm looking for the, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in the spirit and in the truth. Are you hearing me? I love that. He's looking for that. Those who will be led by the Holy Spirit. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in your worship? that is lead you in your daily life? Will you allow the spirit to lead you in your decision making, in your areas of obedience and out of areas of disobedience? That's worship. When you know something is wrong, but you decide, no, I'm gonna do the right thing, that's worship. You are bowing down before the Lord. You are bowing down before him. When you confess your sins before him and you say, Lord, I know this was wrong. God, forgive me. Take this thing from me. You are worshiping. Hallelujah. When you decide, when you decide for Christ to live like Christ, when you decide to open your Bible and read the word of God, when you decide to pray, that's worshiping. When you decide to forgive someone that has done you wrong, that's worshiping. Hallelujah. That's worshiping. When you help someone else, God said, that's worshiping. You are honoring him. But merely just to sing a song, merely just to say a few words, merely just to come to church every once in a while, hear people say, I'm going to worship. I wonder how many of them actually worship that day. Are you giving God baloney? Are you giving him what he asked for? You're giving him a steak. Because the true meaning of worship, and we saw this from the very beginning, the true meaning of worship is giving all to him. No excuse. Giving all to him. Say, well, Lord, I can't do that. True worship is, let's talk about it. Holy Spirit, let's talk about it. Because really, tell the truth, Lord, I like doing this. Tell the truth about it, Lord. I don't know if I really want to stop doing this. I know you, you said this is wrong, and I feel that it is wrong, but I don't know if I really want to, to actually stop doing it. Would you first of all help me to want to stop doing this? Would you first of all help me to seek your presence? Would you first of all help me, give me a desire to pray, give me a desire to study your word, give me a, desi a desire to live right, to live like Christ? Let's start there, Lord. I'm willing if you just give me a desire to do it. If you would save my soul. That's worship. That's worship. Are you hearing? But just to sing a song or to say a few words and, and live like the devil, that, that's not what he asked for. 
That's not what he asked for. Let's go now. I want you to see something. Let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. I want you to see this. Romans 12. Romans 12. So understand something. Worshiping God in the spirit. In the spirit. The word for spirit there is also breath, breathe. It's when God blows on your spirit. He blows on your human spirit. And when the breath of God contacts your human spirit, he causes you to bow in honor and reverence. Not just physically with your body, but through your entire life. Will you allow the spirit of God to blow upon you? Will you allow him to blow upon you? Let's look at Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is worship. Where you say, God, I give all of myself to you. I present my body a living sacrifice. Look at that word, sacrifice. Because it's, this is talking about the Old Testament sacrifices. When they would bring the animal in and they would set the animal up uh, upon the altar and they would lay that animal down, the owner of that animal knew that that animal is not coming back home. It's going there to die. Life as that animal knew it was over. The Lord says in the same language, present your bodies like that. Your former life is over. And now you belong to him. But he says, we're not going to kill it on the altar. You are to be a living sacrifice. That means every single day you make a choice for life. You make a choice to live for him. Every single day. Say, Lord, I'm not sure if I can do that because, you know, I got these things. I got these feelings. I got these desires. I'm not sure if I can do this. Listen, with Christ, with God, all things are possible to him that believes. Give the Lord, put your life in his hands and allow him to shape it and mold it and change it. He knows you can't do it by yourself. He knows you can't do it by yourself. He knows it. He knows what's in your body. He knows what's in your flesh. He knows what you look at late at night. He knows what you're drinking, smudge or snorting or shooting. He knows all about it. He knows. God knows it all. But still he says, honey, I love you. I love you. And if you just put your life in my hands I have the power to shape it and make it beautiful but don't run from him he says I've got the power to do it I've got the power to shape it I've got the power to mold you I've got the power to free you just come to him are you hearing let's go to Romans as we begin to close Romans, uh, Romans 6 Romans 6 I want you to hear this Romans 6. So when you turn from your sins, 
It's not by your own power. You don't have the power to turn from sin. What is that? You don't have the power in yourself to stop this. I've known people say, well, I, I stopped this, but you started that. You put this down, but you pick that up. We don't have the power in ourselves to turn from something. It is the spirit of God that empowers us. It is his anointing. It is his grace that empowers us. We don't have the power in the earth and vessels to be holy. It is God who makes us holy, who makes us right. So don't be deceived in thinking that you can stop this or start that on your own. No, people have tried that. They call it New Year's resolutions. The gym is full in January. Well, something happens in March and April and May. It begins to trickle right off. We can start something with flesh, but can you finish it in your flesh? You're going to need the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit to control that tongue. The power of the Spirit to control that temper. Are you hearing me? Romans 6, Romans 6, verses... 12 through 18. Listen to how it reads. Listen to what it says. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Oh, I love that. Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. That's that altar experience we talked about, sacrificial experience. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. Let me say that again. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can do, would that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave to the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now... But now, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves of slaves to righteous living. Are you hearing true worship? I love this. True worship is in verse 13 again. Give yourselves completely to God. Like you're going to sell somebody an old car or something. Don't clean it out first. Just give it to them. Speaking metaphorically, of course. Give your whole life to God. 
We get in trouble when we say, I heard people say, you know, I'll come to church as soon as I, I got to work this out. I got to clean this up. And as soon as I can do this, I will, I'll come. God says, don't do that. Because that day will never happen when you think that you will be so clean. The day that you think that you are so clean that you, that you can come to church will be the day that you say, I don't need to come to church. So come as you are. Come with what you have. Come with doubts, come with fears, come with insecurities, come with habits, come with addictions. Come as you are. Come as you are. Regardless of the relationships that you're in, whether it's a homosexual relationship or a lesbian relationship, come as you are. Whether you're drunk, come as you are. Whether you're homeless, come as you are. God says you all, come, come, come. And he will take your life and turn it and make it suitable for his glory. He has the power to change you. No matter what, where you are in life, he has the power to change you. He has the power to shape you. I pray you're hearing what God is saying today. Let me show you one more, and then we're going to close out today. First Peter, the second chapter. Are y'all still with me today? First Peter, the second chapter says in verse number one through six, it says, "So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy." And all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Verse 4. You are coming to Christ. Once again, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Verse 5, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Say with me, I'm a holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a holy priest. You have to confess that. That's every single day. I'm a holy priest. I'm a priest before the Lord. He's called me to do that. But you say, Lord, I don't see that in me. Don't look at what you see. Listen to what he said. If you continue to listen to what he said, you will see what he sees. Don't let what you see deceive you. Because there is more to you than meets the eye. There is so much more to you. You are a holy priest. You are a holy child of God. You are holy. You are righteous. And if you allow the Lord, he will make you a true worshiper. Those that will worship him in spirit, in the spirit, 
and in the truth. Honoring Christ in all that you do. Today is that day of changing. Today is that day of turning. Today is that day that God puts his wrench in you and tunes you up. And he tunes you up. He tunes you up. So I pray right now that you will allow me to pray with you. Those of you that are here right now, those that are joining us online, I want to say a word of prayer with you. And I pray that as we pray that you would allow the Spirit of God to hover over your life, just like he did there in the book of Genesis, as he hovered over the planet and and began to set things in order through the Word of God. There's Spirit again, and truth, the Word is truth. The Spirit and truth, as breathed by the Father, the Spirit and truth creates order. Allow the Holy Spirit to hover over your life and make changes. And make changes. Only he has the power to change us. So I pray that you'll hear us right now and that you will pray with us. Everyone that is here right now and also our online community that are viewing right now and that are, that are listening wherever you are all around the world, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I bring before you your people. I bring before you your people. And Father, I pray today that you will tune us all up. Father, I pray that you will come and that you would reason with us. You would reason with us. Father, I pray we would not run from your presence, but run into your presence, bringing all our sin, bringing all our shame, bringing all our guilt, knowing that you are a forgiving and a loving God, knowing that you will never cast away any that call upon your name. Father, I pray today that you will stretch forth your hand and that you will touch your people. Bring healing and bring deliverance. Bring beauty for ashes. Let the morning begin to shine. Let day begin to break for those that are depressed, for those who are in anguish, for those that are hopeless. Father, I pray today that faith would come alive on the inside of them. Father, I pray, I pray for your child, your beloved one, that today that they would see a brighter day. And that today their lives will change, that you would give them the power to change. To repent, to become all that you've called them to be. Father, I offer this prayer, and I pray today, Father, the enemy is rebuked. Satan, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. Loose the people of God. Let them go. I call the resurrection power of Christ alive. Revive, revive. And I say, child of God, come forth. I say, child of God, come forth. Child of the living God, come forth. For today is the day of your deliverance. Today is the day of your healing. Today is the day that yokes will be destroyed, that burdens are removed, and captives are set free. Today is the day that the blind will see, and the lame will walk, and the dead will be raised. Today is the day that you heal broken hearts. And you make your people whole. Father, I pray that you will establish your will in every life that is submitted to you. And I say, Father, as you have said in your word, let them that hath an ear hear 
what the Spirit says to the churches. And this I ask you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. We love you. See you next time. In Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.